Dear God, thank you for today and that we can gather as a church to hear your word. Thank you for the freedom we can enjoy here to read your word safely and publicly without fear of persecution. Thank you for Dave as he explains your word to us and we pray for your wisdom for him that his words may be clear and easy to understand. We pray that we will have open hearts and ears to hear your word. May our lives be transformed by what we hear today, that it may change how we live our lives here on earth as your children, living for your kingdom, persevering till we join you in eternity. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Today's Bible reading is from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 20. Verse 2. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he, he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town with by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with the shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and and disgrace will will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to a lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, there is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. Well, good morning and welcome uh, to church. Uh, My name's uh, Dave Shannon. Uh, I'm one of the ministers here, and it's my privilege uh, to speak to you from Habakkuk uh, chapter 2 this morning. 
Well, let me ask you, how do you find waiting for things? Waiting for a fish to bite? Or waiting for the wind to fly a kite? Or waiting around for Friday night? Or waiting, perhaps, for their Uncle Jake? Or a pot to boil or a better break? Or a string of pearls or a pair of pants? Or a wig with curls or another chance? And while Dr. Seuss is always a bit of fun, other question remains, how do you find waiting? Waiting for a job application, for a parcel to arrive for the birth of a child, or even waiting for suffering, hardship, sickness, COVID-19 to end. Well, when we left our, our man Habakkuk, the man of faith last week, we left him waiting. He was waiting on God with his doubts. He'd gone up, remember, to his ramparts, to the top of the tower as a watchman, looking out above the city, waiting for God's reply. And as we've worked through the book of uh, of Habakkuk, uh, we've seen from the very start that Habakkuk, he came to God that first time wondering how long will he put up with the evil happening in Jerusalem, uh, particularly from her king, uh, Jehoiakim. And, and God graciously answers Habakkuk, but he answers him in unexpected ways. He's going to send Babylon, the wicked pagan nation, to judge his people. But Habakkuk's astounded by, by, by this. God, you'll use evil, wicked Babylon to judge your people? Surely that doesn't fit your, your holy and, and righteous character. And yet, as he brings his complaint and concern to God, he he awaits God. He awaits God for his reply. And and Habakkuk shows us how to approach God during times of uncertainty and suffering. And God answers Habakkuk again. He didn't have to answer him, but he does. And he's told to write down God's revealed word. Before outlining the the revelation from God, which speaks of the downfall of Babylon, God tells Habakkuk a couple of things. He tells him there in verse 2. Have a look there. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though a linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. You see, Habakkuk's to write down God's revealed word and he's to make it plain and clear. We see that in verse 2. Write down the revelation, make it plain on, on tablets. Write it down clearly. You see, think of a, a big board, you know those big bold letters on the billboard? And it's and it's like that, so it can be read plain and clear without any difficulty as people fang past in their cars, travelling at 100 kilometres an hour. And it's actually why I quite like the ESV rendering here. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. It's to be so plain and clear that someone running past can still read it. You see, God's revealed word is to be written down plain and clear so that any passerby can read it and understand well, that's the first. God wants his uh, revelation, his vision to be plain and clear. Uh, the second uh, is that it's certain and on time. Uh, 
You see, God's revealed word will certainly take place. Do you see that? It will not prove false. It will certainly come. Be assured it will take place. It'll happen, though, in God's timing, when God wants it to take place. Though it linger, though it's slow, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And while it might feel like a delay for us, well, there's no delay for God. You see, the idea of delay, delay is, is a human concept. It's not a concept of God. You see, we wonder why are things delayed? But God tells us that t- things take place in his perfect time. You see, though it linger, wait for it. It will surely come and will not delay. And in the Revelation, uh, as we'll see, uh, God speaks of Babylon's downfall. And while it might seem slow, it's certain and on time. And so Habakkuk needs to wait. But you see, one of the difficulties we have in waiting is that we don't view things happening in terms of, of God and his kingdom. That is, God's rule in and over the whole world. You see, all history, all things that have taken, uh, that have and, and will take place are all directed by God to bring about his purposes in his timing and ultimately to usher in the new kingdom upon Jesus' return. Be so we can lose perspective of these things during times of difficulty. And so this is a real danger for us, particularly if we don't like to wait. We might want to give up on waiting on God, try and take matters into our own hands and try and figure out the best way we can make it work based on our own experiences or make judgments and, and make calls based on popular culture or, or psychology or other kinds of things rather than letting God's word shape our understanding. You see, we need help uh, and his word really helps us wait. It's why Habakkuk wrote down God's revealed word so that Habakkuk and the the faithful with him could keep coming back to it. And then they could go, oh, remember what God said? Yeah, God said that he was going to do something about Babylon. Oh, let's look at that stone tablet. He definitely said that he's going to do something. And you see, coming back to God's word again and again, it really helps us today, that we won't lose hope or or faith in God's promises. And and, And Habakkuk's not told everything. He's told Everything he needs to know so that he can continue to trust God's revealed word. And, you know, that's, that's the same for us. Habakkuk had his book, Habakkuk, but, but we actually have the whole Bible. 66 wonderful books that, uh, that we can continue to read and, and pour over and, and have shape our lives. And it's actually all we need to live a life of faith and hope as we wait for the fulfillment of, of God's promises. It's like we see uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. And while there are many secret things, well, we don't actually need to know them. We have all we need to know to live a life of faith. And and waiting, you see, it's it's not new for God's people. You see, the faithful before Jesus in the Old Testament, they, they waited for the arrival of God's promised future king, the Messiah. 
And today we, we continue to wait for the return of God's promised future king, that is Jesus, as he, as he returns in, in glory. And so while a child might ask, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we may feel the same as we wait for God's revealed word to be fulfilled. But we don't. But that doesn't mean we sit on our hands. That we sit on our hands waiting passively, doing nothing. Because waiting is actually an active thing. We, we turn to God in prayer. We, we pour out our heart to God about the challenges and difficulties we're facing. And it's also turning back to God's word again and again and being reminded of God's promises again and again. It's been written down plain and clear uh, in its certain and its on time. And so are you waiting well in this current crisis? Are you waiting well generally? Let me urge you to wait well by turning to God, speak to him, uh, listen to him through his word, be grounded in the Bible as we wait. Well, God's revealed word, uh, it's plain and clear, uh, it's certain and on time, and it also speaks of two ways to live. You see, two clearly distinctive and and contrasting ways to live. Let's have a look there from verse 4. Uh, see, the enemy is, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. You see, the first way to live, uh, he describes Babylon, the enemy. You see, their heart isn't in the right place. They don't trust God. They trust themselves instead. And they stand in opposition to God. You see, they are puffed up, arrogant, greedy, never satisfied. But on the other hand, the righteous person they will live by his faithfulness or by or by faith. In contrast to the enemy, their heart is in the right place. They stand with God and trust his word and live in light of it. They don't base their opinions and, and trust what they see around them. They base their opinions on God's revealed word, on his promises. You see, their belief determines their actions. As they believe God's promises, it shapes the way that they live. And, and it's no wonder that the righteous person will live by faith, that that, that, that line is picked up again and again in the New Testament. Uh, like in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, the writer applies uh, Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He applies these words uh, to the people who persevere in waiting for Christ to return, who press on waiting for Christ to return, when their faith will be seen uh, to win them eternal life. When their faith will win them eternal life. And while two ways are described, only one way leads to life. You see, the other leads to judgment and leads to five woes against Babylon. Five woes against all that's evil and opposed to God. 
God's revealed word to Habakkuk, it's about the downfall of Babylon. He's to write it down plain and clear. And while time feels slow, it'll happen in God's time. It's certain and on time. It will happen. And God describes two ways to live. Uh, The first way is the way of faith. But the other is in opposition to to faith. It's it's living in opposition to to God and and facing his judgment. And we see these in, in five woes. You see, these woes together form something called a a taunt song. Verse 6, we will not all of them taunt him, that is Babylon, where they taunt Babylon with ridicule and scorn. You see, Babylon will be taunted by their oppressors for their pride and arrogance. And and a taunt song, well, it really reminds me of my time in England. Uh, During the 2005 Ashes series, uh, that's cricket between Australia and and England. Uh, At that time, I was living in uh, in England, and I was fortunate enough to get seats uh, to the home of cricket, to to Lords, and it was a great game because the Aussies, well, they smashed uh, England. But as I left and was heading home, I heard some English fans singing a taunt song. They were singing, we're going to win 4-1, we're going to win 4-1. See, they were taunting Australia, uh, picking on their uh, oppressors, you're going down, we're going to win. And the woes that Babylon are being taunted with here, it is for their pride and their arrogant boasts. And sadly, we don't have time to look in each each woe in, in thorough detail. Uh, but as you as you read through them, you'll notice that they they seem a bit like boomerangs. Uh, boom, a boomerang is a, is a throwing tool, uh, kind of shaped like this, uh, used by Indigenous Australians. And when it's thrown properly, as it's thrown, it flies through the air and comes back to the thrower. Uh, and the, and the woes, well, they're like a boomerang. What the wicked hurl on their victims well it circles back and strikes the one who hurled the boomerang in the first place well there's five words let's look at the first one there uh, uh, have a look there verse six and i've called this woe the woe of greed woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion you see they're full of greed looking after themselves, amassing great wealth by extortion and force, plundering nation after nation. They've taken what doesn't belong to them. They've taken more than they should. And the reality, all greed, all greedy rulers have done this. And the reality is it continues for us. And look, we might be tempted by greed uh, to amass, to plunder, to take what doesn't belong in, in greed. But you see, greed does not last. And like the boomerang, what goes around comes around. And the creditors, the debtors will come seeking what they are owed. And those who plunder, well, they get plundered themselves. The woe of greed. Well, the next is the woe of security. Verse 9, woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, uh, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You see, they know that the world's full of enemies. They know there's lots of people who want to uh, uh, go out against them, and so they seek to protect themselves. They seek to 
build their health up high up, hidden away, out of reach, thinking, ah, we're safe and secure here. Nothing will impenetrate us. But have a look at verse 11. The stones of the walls will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. But you see, an empire that's built on bloodshed and ruin, well, it won't last. And like a house that's built quickly and on the cheap, it's bound to collapse because there's no inner strength. You see, the stone walls and the beams, instead of working together to keep the building up and, and strong, well, we'll just collapse in a heap. And the buildings crashed into ruin. And that is what their empire will be. And the reality is, how often have we seen this in, in history, where there's this mighty superpower who seems so secure and mighty just come crashing down? In history, we, we see it as Syria, Babylon, the Midians, the Roman Empire. But even in our own recent history in, in the, with the Third Reich, these big empires seem safe and secure, but eventually come crashing down as God sees fit. Well, the next woe is the woe of power. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? You see, Babylon have abused their power as tyrants who have built their city. They've obtained their empire by bloodshed, brutality and and forced labour and abuse of power. But really, in the end, it's all for nothing. And, And what they've built up becomes fuel for the fire. And just as easily as God raised them up, or God will bring them down. And their enforced power was for nothing. All their work Futile. Well, the fourth uh, woe is the woe of exploitation. Uh, Have a look there at verse uh, 15. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it from wineskin till they are drunk, so he can gaze on their naked bodies. You see, they exploit whoever and and whatever they can for their own benefit, uh, disregarding and humiliating those they've conquered. But not only the people, also the land and animals have been used and abused, exploited in their plots, we see in verse 17. And this exploitation of people makes me really makes me really think of the pornography industry that preys on and abuses vulnerable women, exploiting women seeking male approval due to maybe a difficult upbringing, who are harassed by producers until they get the scenes thereafter. You see, we need to be aware of the abhorrence of pornography to help us beat it if we struggle with it, and while. Some of us may struggle with viewing sex scenes. Others will struggle with viewing pictures of people with limited clothes on, even fully clothed, but maybe images that we shouldn't be looking at. And whilst it would be good to speak on this further, look, we we don't have time to, I'm sorry, but I, I highly recommend this book. I've, I've mentioned it before, but I, 
it's worthwhile mentioning it again, captivated by a better vision uh, by Tim Chester. It's a helpful book uh, that outlines the abhorrence of pornography, the way that we, uh, the adoration of God, the assurance of grace, and, and a few other things. Uh, it's it's excellent. It's a super helpful book. I, I highly recommend it, uh, particularly if you're struggling with pornography or know someone who's struggling with that. Let me let me recommend that book. Well, we can exploit others in sex uh, and the environment in so many ways. But as these, these verses show us, well, the tables will be turned as Babylon will be stripped of their strength and honour and covered with shame. Uh, and finally, the woe of idolatry. Verse 18. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. You see, man-made objects are useless and yet become objects of worship. And, and idolatry is really just the complete opposite of faith in God. Because what use is an idol? They can't teach, they can't guide, they can't speak. Sure, they can be seen, but they're not heard. They're useless and, and powerless. And the woes are, are God's judgment against Babylon and all evil. And while they think, in their minds, they think that their, their greed, their security, their power, their expectation, their idols, well, these things will look after them. But, but really, they're depending on themselves. But that is just an illusion. You see, they will not last. They will not help. Just as God brought them up, he will bring them down in judgment. You see, God's the only one we can depend on. He's the one who can give those things. But you see, they have rejected him in their behaviour. And when it comes to the woes, you see, the reality is they're not for Babylon exclusively. They are for every nation, every person who opposes God. They show that all evil and rejection of God will be judged. And, and here's the irony. This includes God's people, the people of Judah. You see, Habakkuk's first complaint highlighted the greed and exploitation of God's people in their destruction and violence. And so God's people will face God's judgment too. The same woes will fall on them. We might think of a person who's incredibly rich, who's used evil business methods to arrive at the top. And in the world's eyes, they seem amazing. They're on the list of Forbes billionaires. And everything, they have everything they can imagine, but they're without God. But look at them dying. See them buried in a grave. And think of the doom and woe that is their destiny. You see, we should feel sorry for the ungodly, who were fools enough to become drunk with, ter uh, with temporal success. Their end is fixed. Woe. All evil in opposition to God will be judged and destroyed. And, and God will triumph. But we might ask, how do we know these things will take place? Well, God gives us absolute certainties. Let me point to two uh, in our passage. The first one comes there in verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge 
of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And while kingdoms and nations and people who oppose God rage and cause great damage, and it seems that God can't do anything, well, they conspire and plot in vain. You see, God's the one who brought them up and God's the one who will bring them down. Because God's kingdom is one. He reigns over all forever and ever. And a time is coming when the whole earth will know God's glory. It will fill the earth. It will be known everywhere. And and as Jesus revealed God's glory as he was made incarnate, born a man, but ultimately dying on, on the cross where he died in place of evil, sinful humanity, who deserved God's woes, God's judgment, but are saved by faith in trusting in him. And while his glory was revealed then, there is an absolute certain time when God's glory will be known by all people everywhere, all over the earth. And the second absolute certainty comes in verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple, Let all the earth be silent before him. You see, the Lord's in his holy temple. He's in heaven, reigning, ruling over the whole earth. And we're to be quiet in his presence. And do notice, all the earth is to be silent before him. And that includes, yes, those under judgment, but that includes God's people too. All the earth. You see, while coming to God with our questions and doubts, we must never overstep it. We must never question God's goodness, God's power, God's holiness. We must never attack God or accuse God of wrongdoing. We must be silent before him. But see, here lies our advantage. Babylon turned to useless idols that could be seen, but they could not be heard. But you see, the opposite is true for us. There is a hidden reality about God. Sure, we can't see his glory uh, yet, and we can't see him seated on the throne reigning over all. You see, they are hidden, but they are the reality. But you see, we have his word. He's not like the mute idols. We have his word before us in our hands. And so we need to hold on to it. God's absolute certainties as revealed in his word because holding on to God's word and promises well that is what will help us wait for Habakkuk he saw the great evil happening uh, in Babylon and he needed to live by faith and trust God's word in what he had said that judgment was coming for Babylon and we are to do the same we are to wait and trust in God's word you see we're in the midst of a, a global pandemic There is great uncertainty at church. Uh, We will face at some point uh, suffering for living for Christ in this fallen world. And while God's spoken directly about some of these things, there, there are others where we'll need to wait as we continue to listen to God's word about the absolute certainties that Jesus has risen from the dead. He reigns now over heaven, over everything. He's prepared a place for us, a room for us in heaven, and we are waiting on God's perfect timing to bring us home to him. And so if we're suffering, 
when we're dealing with many uncertainties, uh, we need to cry out to God to end it. And while God's answer might be, yes, I will end it, he might also be saying, wait. You need to wait. Wait for my perfect timing. And as you wait, continue to to turn back to God's word that you can uh, be, be reminded that you won't lose hope or faith. Because his answer is, yes, he will end it, but we need to wait. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you uh, again for for this great little book of Habakkuk. We thank you for the great reminder uh, of the need to wait, uh, to to wait on you, uh, to fulfil uh, your promises, to fulfil your word. Uh, that although we live in a fallen, broken world, there are uh, and there are difficulties uh, that we see around us. And yet all evilness and wrongdoing will be judged as you show. And so we pray that we will wait well. Help us be great waiters who are constantly turning to you in prayer, pouring at our hearts, but also coming back to your word. That we don't go elsewhere or wander in other places in our own thoughts and minds of, of what's going to be the best way to um, address something, but that we may trust you, that we may come to you uh, and trust your word. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.